much sleep because I was like moving around last night. Um, I just doing some studio visits with some artists that I'm going to exhibit work with in March. And then I went out dancing and yeah. <laughs> Where'd you go? Um, we went to Moby's in Fells Point. Oh, okay. I haven't been there before. Yeah, I'd never been there either. My, oh. my people were telling me like, yeah, it's cool. It was cool. Oh, okay, cool. That's cool. Cool. So <laughs> for those of us uh, listening that don't know who you are, can you uh, tell me who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm Thomas James. I'm young man, keeping God first, friends and family. I'm a creative um, curator by trade throughout the, I'd say the East Coast region, but right now I'm based in Baltimore. And I cur- curate full-time at Creative Alliance. Okay, and I'm looking at your arms. I see you got quite a bit of tattoos. You want to explain yeah. a few of them? Sure. So this tattoo that I have right here on my arm, on my right forearm, it's a hawk, and he has the key to my business fraternity, which is Beta Gamma Sigma, and the the key symbolizes the five pillars um, that we value which are honor, integrity, earnestness, pursuit of wisdom, and honesty. And the reason that this tattoo is funny, it's actually a cover-up. Um, if you look like really close, it was it was a snake, and I just I just decided to kind of upgrade, if you will, and when the end, I also got tired of explaining. Um, <laughs> so I got this one really because. I've, I mean, I like birds, but I like hawks because um, of their their razor sharp focus. And um, then I added the business fraternity key because when I first went to college, that was like an ultimate goal was to join this fraternity. And you had to be invited. You had to be the top 10% of the class to be invited. So it was um, pretty exciting uh, to be a part of that. Um, so this tattoo on my left forearm, this is the flag of Trinidad and the flag of Ireland, um, which that's my heritage. Uh, my father um, and his lineage is in Trinidad and my mom and her lineage um, based in Ireland. And then I think one of my more interesting ones is left bicep. This this is part of a letter that my mom wrote to me before I went to college, and I kept this letter. It's part. It's a long. It's longer than that, but um, I always kept it in my backpack, just for like encouragement. And um, and then one day I was like, oh, let me just get it tatted on me, and so it's all in her handwriting. Um, and then this is probably this last one I'll show you, but this tattoo on my right bicep. So this one is. Probably my favorite tattoo. Um, I designed it. It took me about two years to design. It is the body of a man and the head of a bull, which is um, it's an interpretation of a minotaur. And he has handcuffs and tattoos. And the the long or the, the short explanation is I related the the story of the Minotaur in um, ancient mythology. I related that to um, blackness in America. And the Minotaur, that that story of the Minotaur in ancient mythology, is he constantly lost in the maze, or is he just stuck in the maze and doesn't know how to get out? Yeah, so he was placed in the maze. Uh, he was put in the maze because he essentially was... He was not, he was not a member of the normal society, so he was, um, which caused him to act out 
and then he was put in the maze essentially to waiting to be slayed because you know he was like a pariah in society do you find that if you catch yourself looking at them you're kind of reminded why you got them and that that'll kind of motivate you to keep moving forward yeah because tattoos to me at least on my body they kind of show me where i've been because each you know i can remember specifically getting each tattoo why i got it you know some story that goes along with it um so you know i never really once i once i get a tattoo I, I might look at it then but then I kind of you know I, I like I, I don't really relook at my tattoos all the time but it is a it is a constant reminder of just individuality creativity and where where I've been and where I want to go so the tattoos talk about where you have been let's talk about where you're from mm -hmm. where are you from I am originally from Prince George's County Maryland um, if anyone is familiar with the Bowie area, Lanham, that's where I grew up. Um, so the the DMV area right outside D.C. Okay. And what was growing up there like? Because I think people from Baltimore have a certain perception about that area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was growing up there like? Um, it's very, it, honestly, being in Baltimore, it, it there's definitely parallels. Um, I mean, but I had a, a wonderful childhood, wonderful um, adolescence, teenage years growing up there, um, because it's, it's something that, one, it's something I took for granted while I was growing up there, because it is the, at least for right now, it's the richest predominantly black county in America. So it was, it was, it was great growing up there because you, there's like a constant feeling of home. Um, you get to see black people that are, you know, in in abundance that are successful and um you know encouraging and and overall it's um it's all, all you know although the the area is pretty much like baltimore in the in the sense of people are living you know a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck um things like that so economically there's not a huge difference especially so like you know right now I live in Baltimore County there's not a huge difference um, but just growing up there and and being a part of that um, you know that portion of society I mean it was a blessing to me honestly I take it that you went to school in that system from elementary school through high school or yes did, indeed okay so what was school like and I don't know how, how old are you I'm 25 25 okay so while you were going through school, did they still have an arts program? Was that still a thing? That's a good question. I didn't do much. I didn't partake in, in much um, anything like art-related, really, in my early age and in high school. I will say when I was in, I guess, through like kindergarten and middle school, I guess we had art class. But it, I couldn't even tell you anything that we like did in the <laughs> art class. But we, But I think we had art like... Maybe once a week, might have had art once a week, and then in high school, my school had an arts program. I think we had a pretty, we had a pretty good dance program. The you know the girls they went to a lot of competitions and stuff like that. And we had a pretty good theater program. There's a you know a decent amount of actors and, and things that have come from that program. And then other than that, I'm not sure. I took a photography class when I was in high school. Um, but other than that, I didn't I didn't do too much art in high school. It sounds like in school they may have had more of a focus on performing arts. 
Possibly. Honestly, I wasn't really tuned in <laughs> to that, to be honest. I really couldn't tell you. Okay. Did you stay in the area for college or did you travel? I went to Frostburg State for college, which is really how I, I gained a, a true affinity for Baltimore because a lot of my friends were, you know, it's basically, from many of the black people that are there, it's, um, you're either from PG or from Baltimore. You know that there's other, you know, Montgomery County or Anne Arundel, you know, whatever, like it's mixed in there, but it's mostly PG in Baltimore. And, um, you know, I just, I gained so many friends from Baltimore. That's kind of how I got comfortable with the, the area without even visiting. And what was the culture shock there? Like for people who don't know, Frostburg is the complete opposite end of Maryland. It's like yes. far Western Maryland, rural mountainous region. What was it like living there and going to school there? For me as a student, it was it was amazing because I and I, I guess the students in general, you kind of get to be a big fish in a small pond. So you get a chance to like whatever you want to do, you can do it. If you want to be involved in the community, if you want to, um, you know, if you, if you want to be involved on campus, if you want to like for me, it was very easy to intern places and work with businesses and things like that. Um, so for me, it was it was great from a student aspect. I think just in general, the biggest culture shock was being in an area that was predominantly white, but the economic status was very low. So the income for families and things like that, it was a lot lower than I ever really would have expected to to see in an area that was dominated by um, by white people. And this is, you know, so like, like I said, I, I grew up in PG County, so I didn't really see too much of that. So I think that was the biggest culture shock when I was out there. And while you were in college, that's when you interned for an arts organization. What was the name of that organization? And was that really the start of your art career or your appreciation for art? When I was in college, I interned for the first arts internship that I did was with Mountain City Center for the Arts. It's a great arts organization in Frostburg. It is. It's a performing arts organization. I would say my so yes and no. So my initial, I guess, start in the art world was through photography. So I was a photographer. Uh, I did that heavy for about four years, and then one summer I spent working in Chicago, and I got very involved in the art scene. When I was out there, that's when I, the idea of joining creativity and business sort of came together. And um, when I started meeting gallery owners and people that were running organizations, you know, such as like a First Friday organization or things like that. Because um, before I had always kept, for the most part, I had always kept my creative side and the business side always kept those separate but when i was out there and i started to learn about joining them that kind of sparked my career if you will and then when i interned at mountain city center for the arts i interned there for a semester and then the director cody warren she offered me a spot or she and she told me she said if you ever want to exhibit your artwork uh, you have a space here to do it so I took advantage of that, but the, the way the timeline works, so I, I worked at Mountain City, Center for, Mountain City Center for the Arts 
for my first semester. And then during the winter break, I worked at the Maryland Hall for the Creative Arts in Annapolis. And so the way, and, and then, so I worked there for about a month. And then when I came back to Frostburg for my last semester in college, I then, then I put on my first art exhibition. Um, I curated a show of my work and the work of two of my friends, Taylor Crawford and Derek, I can't remember his last name at the, <laughs> at the, at the moment. Um, but I curated that show. We did really well. We all sold work. We had a, a great opening. So, I mean, overall, it was just very encouraging. And from there, that's when I started to say, you know, I can do this. I can, you know, I, I like um, I like curating. I like I like every aspect of it. So there's something I can take uh, seriously. And then then spring break, I, I took a meeting at Maryland Hall for the Creative Arts and the director at the time, Secret Trumpy, she offered me an exhibition of my own in November of that year, or yeah, of that year. So put together an exhibition of, I think it was 10 artists. I took it, yeah, um, at, at Maryland Hall for the Creative Arts. Once you finished college, and by the way, what did you, um, what did you study while you were in Frostburg? Business. While you finished college, you were still involved with the arts and really uh, figuring out that curating and curation uh, was your thing. Can you give me a roadmap from your first internships uh, while at Frostburg to your current position at Creative Alliance? My first semester of senior year, that's when I interned at Mount City Center for the Arts. Then I, then I interned, then winter break, I interned at Maryland Hall. And then after that, when it was time to, when graduation was rolling around, I had two job opportunities, and I was trying to pick which one. It was Geico and um, AmeriCorps, uh, the VISTA program, which is Volunteers in Service to America. And I knew that being in the art realm and curating, I knew that's something that I, I decided that that was, I wanted to really try that path. So I decided to work with AmeriCorps for a year. And um, it's funny because when you're working with AmeriCorps, they give you a stipend, whereas Geico, they give you, it's not salary, but you know, it's very, it's a lot higher paying. But I decided to go with AmeriCorps because I knew that it would give me time to focus on art. And luckily, I was working at AmeriCorps and for AmeriCorps, I was working at DC Public Schools through AmeriCorps. I had the at some point when I was when I was working there. I, I guess I started working there in July after I graduated. So very soon after graduation, I started working there. In November, I had my exhibition at Maryland Hall for the Creative Arts, and luckily, when I was working with AmeriCorps Vista, so I worked with DC Public Schools, but it was it was a kind of like a triangle of people that I worked for. So it was DC Public Schools through AmeriCorps paid for by George Washington University or, you know, in some sort of circle, some, some, you know, some circle like that. Yeah. Um, but, um, but so I met a woman that was working with George, um, George Washington University as well named Melissa Green, and she ran the ArtReach Gallery in Southeast D.C. Through that connection, I was able to travel the, the show it was called Darkest Before the Dawn. I was able to travel that show from from Annapolis to D.C. 
And really that show and its success kind of sparked um, where I am now at Creative Alliance because when I did that show in Annapolis, it gained the attention of, um, of Joanne Vaughn who runs Maryland Federation of Art. Through that, I was able to work at Maryland Federation of Art as an exhibitions manager. And then when I traveled the show to DC, it caught the attention of a DC arts commissioner and through that connection, I was able to work with the Phillips Collection. So I was able, I was working with, um, with both of those organizations. And is the Phillips Collection like an art organization? Yeah. So the Phillips Collection is a is a is an art museum. It was the first modern art museum in America. It's um, a sta- uh, staple museum in D.C. And through. Um, so through working with Maryland Federation of Art, through the Phillips Collection, and then I curated a show independently with the with the Jerusalem Fund in D.C. as well. Through those three avenues, I was able to kind of show people how serious I was and um, kind of where I wanted to go within the art realm. And then while working at Maryland Federation of Art, I know it, it, the story jumps around a lot, <laughs> so but, but I was doing a lot at one time. It sounds like um, it. <laughs> through the Maryland Federation of Art, I was able to meet so many people in, in the art realm because one thing that, so what Maryland Federation of Art specialized in is juried shows. So we would contact jurors that are, um, know curators and critics and art directors and artists to jury the shows and so through Maryland Federation of Art I was able to meet um, Adam Davies who is a who was a resident artist at Creative Alliance we, we built a good rapport and I'd actually met my predecessor as well his name is Jeremy Stern and um, and as my as my time was ending at Maryland Federation of Art Adam told me, he said, hey, you know, Jeremy, he's leaving the position of curator. Um, you know, you should apply. And then I did, and I was able to to get the job at Creative Alliance. So that's how I got there. Awesome. And at Creative Alliance, and you brought it up, there are residents, and there's a residency program for Creative Alliance where the artists live and work in the building. Uh, can you talk about what it's like to run a successful residency program? Because I'm sure having to deal with eight different artists and their personalities and stuff can be um, challenging. Yeah, definitely. I I think it worked in my favor that when I was in college, I worked as an RA, a resident assistant. So it kind of, it's kind of funny because I'm kind of like an RA now. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, it's personally at Creative Alliance, it is amazing. So we have eight resident artists that live and work in in the building they live and work on the second floor they have um loft studio apartments and so it's great for me personally because i get to be around these amazing artists all the time working with them in different capacities talking with them um, you know just building just continuing to build rapport um and then i think for the rest of the the rest of the Creative Alliance staff and then the community at large, it's great because you know we as a community really have access to to these artists and we work with them in different capacities. So one of our artists, Janie Hillman, 
she she comes down and she sculpts people out of clay that are performing a creative alliance so you know people get a chance to see her and what she does and she's really contributing to to what we have at creative alliance and then we have a, another resident his name is charles mason the third he's an educator and so you know when we do tours and things like that he's the the community gets to come in and 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 learn from him just uh, having that sort of group in you know having such close access to them is great for like I said myself and the community but running a residency program is something that is a little more a little more difficult and in-depth than many people think because there are residency programs everywhere you know throughout the throughout the region throughout the country throughout the world and there are certain things that people overlook that I think Creative Alliance, I think we do a really good job of. You know, one thing that that you really need is a building manager, someone that's that that can be there on a on a on a regular basis to fix problems and untie knots. So if um, you know if something is leaking in in their in their rooms or um, you know the power is going out or the heat doesn't work or whatever, you know, there are some there are some residency programs that. I think I think people overlook certain things like that because, you know, just having having a building and having a space for artists to come is amazing. Um, but people need to make sure that the upkeep is um, is there and it's present. Um, I think another another great thing about the residency program that we have is that we don't have too many expectations. There are certain events that I'll ask the resident artist to mark off on their calendars and um, you know and things like that um, but other than that we really allow the residents to operate how they would like and you know through that I think having that I don't want to call it passive because it's not that's not the right word to use but it's more I, I, I guess free spirit I don't know how exactly to say it but we're a little more laid back when it comes to requirements. And I think that helps the artists produce a little bit more because a lot of residency programs, well, one, ours is pretty long. It's from one to three years. But a lot of residency programs that might only be a month or something like that, artists, and I've, I've talked to, to artists, and sometimes they feel they feel rushed you know, to create work or they feel like they haven't gotten the full experience because there was you know because of the timeline that they were that they were under and i think running a residency program you know artists they're going to work like that's that's just something that they're going to do naturally so as a as a program director i'm kind of there to support and facilitate and just continue to encourage their creativity and i think that Personally, I think that approach is um, is a good way to go. If you put too much pressure on them, then they might create work, but they might not like it, or the work, you know, it, it might look rushed. Um, and you don't, you know, when you're running a residency program, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. You know, you want to have that. You want to have retention, and you want to have artists that are going to want to continue to come back. And so if you have a residency program and, and let's say an artist doesn't create work at all, 
sometimes that's okay because they might take advantage of the time that they had there in the city that they're in or around the artists that they're with. And sometimes people just want to have a residency program to, or go to a residency program so that they can network or they can learn a new city or gain some insight or some inspiration. And I think that Creative Alliance, I think we do a good job of facilitating that. And I think that that's something that um, that other residency programs, I think, would, would benefit from. So it sounds like you end up, and even since college, you end up in these positions where you have to give a lot of yourself to other people. Do you ever find time for yourself? I know uh, in my research of you, some of your hobbies included boxing. Um, do you still do that? Is like that like a stress reliever for you? <laughs> it's funny. I was just talking to my roommate about that. Um, yeah, I mean, finding time for myself is difficult, I guess, some at, at times because I do, you know, I do work a lot to be able to bring top quality, you know, well thought out exhibitions and workshops and, you know, running the residency program and, and, and just things outside. But I do find time to, when it comes to boxing and things like that, like going to the gym and, and stuff, I try to, I try to get there as often as I can. As of right now, I'm kind of going like once a week, I'm going on like Saturdays and, um, which is, which is great, you know, for me, obviously I wish I could do it more, but you know, doing this, doing this job, yeah, it keeps me busy. It keeps me very busy. And, you know, a lot of times I'll, I think the biggest sacrifice for me is sleep. So <laughs> I don't sleep as much. I know I should, I should sleep more, but I don't sleep as much as I should. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, finding, finding time for myself is something that, I mean, I don't know. I I like to, I like to consider, I like to consider being, being in the, in, in my office or, you know, somewhere in a, in a creative space, just thinking or um, creating these, creating these exhibitions and figuring out what I want, the work that I want in the show and things like that. I do that, you know, a lot of times I have to do it in my quote unquote free time. But to me, that's, that's worth it to me because it's, I started, like I said, I started in photography and that was kind of like my creative outlet. Um, and so I, I did that in my free time. So now when I'm creating these exhibitions in my free time, I kind of just figure it as, you know, kind of as an extension of, of what I'm doing. And, and I, I kind of consider that time for myself to a certain degree, even though it's still <laughs> technically working. Yeah, I hear you. And <laughs> sometimes you just got to find any way that you can to make something you, your own. So you were talking about exhibitions a little bit earlier, and mm -hmm. you actually have an exhibition coming up uh, at the UB Blake, I believe, that mm -hmm. you're co-curating um, with Derek Adams. And I just interviewed him a few weeks ago, and that was a great interview. Yeah. Um, he's, a as anybody listening, and I'm sure as you know, he's like an internationally renowned artist. His show, uh, sorry, his work has been in shows like Insecure and, and, and Empire and stuff like that. What is that like for you? How does that feel to be in a position to co-curate something with an artist of that caliber? It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun, honestly. I mean, Derek is a great guy. He has a lot of respect throughout Baltimore. And um, so it's it's great to it's great to to work with him in in that regard because when people see what Derek is doing within the city and the fact that he is so invested in Baltimore it 
creates this cooperation culture where people want to collaborate and people want to be a part of you know what he's what he's connected to so the exhibition that we have which opens on November 30th next Saturday the the exhibition there's it's 10 different artists and you know curating a show with 10 different artists and hand picking the work and the artists that are going to be in the show sometimes it's difficult because Sometimes artists are funny about who they show with and where they're showing and things like that. But sometimes artists are just funny in general. Like their <laughs> personality quirks. You're just like, okay, whatever. And and running running the residency program, it's crazy because I, I had to manage eight different personalities. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, just but you know the fact that everyone that's in the show was so excited to be a part of the show and so willing to be a part of the show and there was there was a lot of personal investment in in it for everyone because people wanted to be a part of something that is going to be just in a, an immaculate show i think that's that's a testament to what derek is really trying to to bring to the city i don't know i, I don't remember exactly what you all had talked about on the show so i don't really want to speak all his business but um what he's what he's creating in Baltimore um, is going to be big for the city, and um, so it's 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 been it's it's been fun for me to be a part of that. Um, you know, as if I didn't already have enough to do. This was like, you know, just something that I was very happy and honored that he asked me to be a part of it. He's very down to earth, um, but he's he's real. He's authentic. It's really good to be around someone who is really about it, like someone who talks that I care about the community, I care about the city that I'm from. Um, he talks it, but but he walks it, which you don't find all the time. Very true. You know, so, so working with someone like that, I think to me is the most powerful thing because he sets a great example for all of us in, in the art world um, of just someone who, because if, if he doesn't have to do that, you know, if he wanted, he's a world-renowned artist, like if he wanted to just chill in... New York and London and Paris and wherever else he could do that. But, um, you know, he's like, no, nah, you know, I'm from Baltimore. I've, I love Baltimore. I love the artists that are coming out of Baltimore and we want Baltimore to be the, it, you know, to, to get the, the, the shine that it deserves. So, you know, he's coming back, putting his money where his mouth is. Yeah, it's been great. Between Frostburg, Annapolis, and now Baltimore with the Creative Alliance, you're a veteran of a lot of different art scenes with a lot of different artists in uh, different environments and areas. You've done fundraisers, openings. You've just talked about uh, curating several expo uh, exhibitions, and you have one coming up uh, that's opening November 30th. I think that people definitely have an idea about Annapolis in general, and I guess by extension the art scene, which is probably that it's white and it's just full of old money. Is that true? And do you think Annapolis and Baltimore have any major differences or similarities that people not in the art scene may know about? I would say for Annapolis and someone that I've worked in Annapolis and I'm, I'm still, I'm very connected to organizations there. I've I blog monthly for Urban Walls Brazil, which is a world-renowned um, arts organization that brings artists from Brazil, brings them to 
to this area where they do work in they do mural work and they go in the schools within Annapolis, within you know within Baltimore and, and other places in the region. Um, organizations like Annapolis Discovered, which I do vlogs for them, um, which we record. I, I you know I go to different venues and different artist studios and things like that, and we'll um, and we'll record what's going on in Annapolis. So and and I work you know with Maryland Federation of Art, and I would say that the the idea that Annapolis is all old money, rich white people is definitely it's a it's a it's a logical fallacy, if you will, because the area of Annapolis there, you know, there is a lot of old money. There is a lot of uh, yachts and boats and steakhouses. And, you know, when you go around the area, there are a lot of there are a lot of galleries that you know, sell boat paintings and things like that. Um, but the that's not really the art scene. So the art scene is more so that Urban Walls Brazil, that you know, a, a, a workspace such as the Commons, or um, just other spaces that are that are in the area that like Art Farm, places that are doing work in the community. And you know, and dis and displaying and and exhibiting contemporary artists. That's the art scene in Annapolis that I'm most connected to, and that's you know, these are the groups that really push the push the art scene forward in Annapolis. Economically, it's very it's very similar. You know, people are working around the clock to make the same amount of money. Um, people are working hard. People are always collaborating, looking for, for ways to work with different businesses, work with different art organizations, so that it's the same sort of idea, and, I, and I'm going to kind of go into the parallels of Baltimore, where there is a, a culture of cooperation. Um, that's one thing that I love about Annapolis. When I was working there, that's something that I always felt. I always felt that I could go to certain businesses and you know we could potentially work together or certain art organizations that that we could work together in in some capacity and i think that's similar to baltimore and actually it's it's really interesting especially being a being a black person that was working in annapolis it was very interesting for me to learn the history of annapolis and so a lot of people don't know that the arts district in annapolis used to be essentially it was um I guess, for lack of better words, it was a, a black arts district. If uh, at a at a at a certain time, there's, and you can see it now. If you go if you go to, like in, in Annapolis, if you go to West Street that heads in downtown, there's, you know, plaques and murals and, um, you know, information, um, signs and things like that 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 talk about that history, and it's it's a really cool connection to Baltimore because, when artists from Baltimore that used to be you know, that were connected with like um, Rujak Records and the and the music scene in Baltimore. A lot of the venues that they used to perform at used to be in Annapolis as well. So they would. So these artists that were you know working in and performing in Baltimore, they would go to Baltimore to they would be in Baltimore to perform. But they would go to D.C. They would go to the Eastern Shore. They would come to Annapolis. Just learning about that history and that connection to Baltimore as well is is pretty cool because there are still there are still remnants of that. There are still folks that, um, you know, older Black folks that 
that have that have lived there for years and have kids that grew up there and you know they know about this history and they and they talk about it and there's a there is a real investment in Annapolis from um, from a lot of the black people that grew up and lived there it's something that you don't see as much because the the dominant um, the dominant group there is is white people in general but um, but yeah, I think yeah that 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 myth that it is just all old and white and rich yeah that's that's not that's not accurate. Oh okay, so it sounds like Annapolis kind of like you said parallels Baltimore, where people not from Baltimore have one idea of it, and then you come here and you're like, oh, it's not that bad. Exactly. And then I guess you can go down to Annapolis and you're just like, oh, I'm ready to experience that old whiteness and you're like eh, not not always the case yeah i mean that's what I, I think with annapolis you know just on the flip side you know there are there are places that that are are very again you know there's there's a lot of there, there are a lot of yachts and steakhouses and you know folks walking around with the vineyard vine and and spares and i'm and i'm, I'm i love spares i'm you know i'm, I'm not trying to like you know whatever but um but yeah but there there is that but i and and when you if you're just visiting annapolis in general then yeah and you're just walking around downtown you know you might see that but i think you know organizations now are and not not now people have been doing that but um organizations are really really doing their best to show that that is not all that's in Annapolis and if you come to Annapolis to visit these specific spaces you might you well you're not might you will see you're going to see something cool you're going to see something interesting you're um you know hopefully if you come to like the art walk festivals and things like that you're going to feel like you're in a, a a caring community and something that something that you you want to be a part of okay can you talk a little bit more about being a curator and what that is like because I'm sure even I have an idea of what like an art curator is it's somebody with an obscenely long scarf wearing a beret (laughs) and they're very have very they're very neurotic about really seemingly odd things can you um dispel some of those myths yeah I mean being a, a curator and an art curator specifically, um, I mean, it's someone that, you know, you have to, you have to study art depending on, you know, depending on the type of curator you are, you know, you might, you might, you might study like, um, you know, ancient art and, you know, whatever. Uh, me personally, I am a contemporary, contemporary art curator. I work with living artists, so... I guess what that's like. I mean, what I do, I consider what I do curatorially, I, I consider that labor a lot. So it's funny that you mentioned the the scarf and the beret and stuff <laughs> like that. It's like I, I, me personally, I might walk around with like, um, with like a shawl on or something like that. But I am, um, but I'm there to work. So I'm there to research. I'm there to study. Um, I'm there to, to, to hang paintings on there cause I'm a curator, but I'm also, you know, I'm an installer and, you know, I, I like the work to be a certain way, to be showcased in a certain way. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm playing, I'm, I'm up on ladders, you know, 13, 14 feet high adjusting lights and, you know, using, uh, you know, big rollers to, to paint my walls and things like that. So, um, 
you know, curators, whatever people think of about them, they are um, they're necessary in the in the art world because I it's it's kind of like you know you. We, we're taking we're taking the work from these artists filtering isn't the right word but we are um distributing it essentially to the public in a way that is digestible through the through the statements and the research that we do and the the writings that we create um we're displaying it in a way that is easy for people to see and something that's going to shine or you know shed, shine light on artwork um, as much as possible. So, you know, hanging this piece next to that piece and hanging this piece this high and, um, you know, putting this piece here instead of that, uh, there, like that is, um, as well as, as well as, you know, more so on the, the labor side, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for, for create, for igniting the space as much as possible. So I'll give you an example. We have, we have a show coming up at Creative Alliance opening on December 14th. It's called We Are One. And, for that show, we have, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm hanging the show and, and everything, but um, as far as igniting the space, we have the opening reception, which is on December 14th, and then on December 17th, I have a Q&A session with, with Mertice Bedola, who runs Gallery Mertice, and, and so we're going to talk, I'm going to get her opinion and her take on the exhibition, on where we are in Baltimore and the black art scene. You know what what that looks like where she thinks we're going how she's been successful and then on january 11th we're having an artist talk at at the gallery so for me being a curator is you know, as 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 invested as the artists are in their artwork i have to be that invested in in displaying the artwork and getting people to come see it and you know really using art as an avenue to open up people's minds and help them th and, and and be there to um, for people to think in different ways, um, you know, through events and talks and, you know, workshops and things like that. I think that's that's kind of what how, how I see curation as far as with, with contemporary art. I, I hope that dispelled some of it for you. <laughs> I'm sure some people listening are like, oh, he sounds like a curator. But <laughs> I think you definitely did the um, the position justice. So we're going to start wrapping up here. Okay. Um, I always ask these two questions to my guests. Um, first, what's coming up next for you? You just talked about the um, the event with Mertice. She's a, she's definitely an OG. I've interviewed her as well. She's like the the, o, the OG. <laughs> uh, what else you got coming up next? So yeah, let me just run down the list a little bit. I'm excited to, to give you this list. So on on November 30th, we have the opening of Our World. Um, at UB Blake, which is um, a show with 10, 10 amazing um, young black American artists working in Baltimore. Um, that show is going to be amazing. Then we have We Are One at Creative Alliance, which is five black artists. And the show is a cross-generational, it's going to serve as a cross-generational conversation. And that's going to be um, facilitated through the um, the different mediums of portrait work that these artists are that these artists are doing, then on January twenty fifth we have the opening of On the Verge, twenty five new and emerging artists, and that is a show at Creative Alliance that is going to have twenty five 
new and emerging artists that are working here in Baltimore and throughout the region, but mostly Baltimore-based. Um, and that show's going to be just crazy. I've been doing so many studio visits to get that, to get this show where it needs to be, and that, that show's going to be crazy. And then at the Anne Arundel Community College, at the Cade Gallery, I have a show there. It's called Gray Matter, and the show is with four artists, and it's going to it's going to touch on the perception of blackness through the eyes of dominant society, through the eyes of the black community. And yeah, and that, that show, the, some of the work that's in that show is just going to be just, it, it's out of this world. And then on March 7th, there's the, oh, I'm sorry, Gray Matter opens on February 12th. And then March 7th, we have the opening of Helen Zaheb, the migration series, which that's the studio visit I was doing last night. Um, and her, her work is, it's an interpretation of the Jacob Lawrence migration series. Um, and she, and, and she's been relating it to her, um, her experience and heritage and issues that are, that are happening right now in the Middle East. And, um, that show is, that show is going to be really powerful, especially, working with is for me working with a middle eastern based artist and being a a black man it's um it's a very interesting and um powerful powerful uh, sentiment and and uh, and and content that that's going to be given to the public so that's what I have coming up. You sound very busy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's good. And with that last um Exhibition or working with that last the Middle Eastern artist. Mm -hmm. I, as a quick aside, I do think that it is interesting if you look at uh, just Middle Eastern culture and their history. There is a lot of parallels with um, Black culture, like ideas of diaspora, figuring out what or where your home is, um, identity and just the influence for better or for worse that Western society has had on your people. So I'm sure that'll definitely be a powerful uh, event there. Definitely. And a lot of people don't know that issues that, that, that arise in the Middle East, these are things that, um, you know, that, that, that Martin Luther King Jr. and Stokely Carmichael and, you know, these other organizations in the 60s, this was, these are things that they were very vocal about. Um, so kind of, and you know, that's something that I really had to learn and study. And so by doing that, um, I think it's, I think that has brought a, another, a whole nother layer to this exhibition. And that's one of the reasons I'm very excited about it because it's, it is going to touch on that and the and ideas of diaspora and the ideas of, of parallels and connections to, to, um, to blackness and, uh, and, and, and Eastern culture. Mm, okay. So last question here. Uh, how can people learn more about you? And I'm sure what you'll say is, well, you know, look at Creative Alliance. So <laughs> how can people learn more about uh, Creative Alliance? And what if they want to uh, apply for the residency program? How could they do that? If you want to learn more about Creative Alliance, creativealliance.org, that will tell you a decent amount. If you want to get involved, you can always just send me an email. My email is thomas at creativealliance.org. If you want to apply for residency, you can send me an email. And, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to talk to people and email back and forth about it. But we have space on the website. If you go to, if you just go to the website and then you go to 
um, I, think, I think it's just residency program. It'll give you the the, the application and, and all of that. And same thing with me. I mean, I'm, I operate a lot through Instagram. So thomasjames.dc. I, I basically treat Instagram like text messages. So, you know, people kind of have like direct access to me. So any anytime people want to people want to talk or, um, you know, gain insight or have questions or anything, you know, I'm always I'm always um, always down to down to talk and connect with people. Awesome. One last question mm -hmm. that I just thought of as we were talking. How did your parents feel about you doing art? Because I'm sure when you told them that you were going to school for business, your dad was like, oh, great. And then you started doing art, and he was like, oh. oh. <laughs> nah, so, um, so my, you know, my parents were, my parents have always been supportive of everything that I've done. You know, I'm, I'm, I grew up, my parents, you know, we, they lived separately, so um, we grew up in, you know, I guess, a, I don't know, I mean, in America, it's probably traditional, but, you know, more like a non-traditional um, household. Um, but so either way, you know, my parents were always instilling, instilling, you know, values and, and morals and, and things like that in me so that anytime I made a decision, you know, I, I'd have the best head on my shoulders to do it. So they didn't, they, they never encouraged me to do things one way or the other. Um, they were pretty much just supportive and, and always there for guidance. And that's the thing, especially, you know, with me, they always know that whatever I do, it's going to make sense. So, you know, when it when it comes to art, you know, art was not something that I wasn't I was never really interested in art until really 20, like 2012, 2013. Um, and even, you know, so so even then, like once my interest started to grow, they were really just there for support and, you know, helping me in whatever way that I needed. You know, there was never a time that. I was I just dove off the deep end or you know didn't didn't have an idea of where I wanted to go um so cuz it is funny that you mentioned cuz a lot of times people are like well, how'd you go from business to art and <laughs> which is a fair question you know yeah. it is it is but yeah my 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 parents in particular is just just they've just been a, a great support system for me and been a blessing shout out to supportive parents yes yes shout out to my parents thank you all so much and my and, and my step parents i appreciate y'all too oh, that's great well thomas james uh curator extraordinaire appreciate that from pg to creative alliance in baltimore yes indeed thanks so much for the opportunity to talk with you thank you for having me i've had a great time thank you so much absolutely